Well, it's time for the Spice It Up segment on Real World Gardener. On the line, I've got herb and spice expert Ian Hempel from Herbie Spices. How are you today, Ian? Very well, thanks, Marion. Good to be having a chat. It certainly is. And we are having a chat about some something different. Well, spices, yes. of course, but it's unusual seasoning. And I came across this on, on your website and I thought, wow, I have never heard of furikake before. That's one of the unusual ones. And there's amateur. I think I've heard you mention that one. And then black garlic. We'll be talking yes. about those three. So let's start off with the first one, furikake. I think I'm pronouncing it correctly. Yes, I think furikake is correct. Our Japanese friends might correct us, but uh, <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll stick with that. The interesting thing about furikake is it is quite a traditional Japanese seasoning, and it's one that they usually sprinkle on cooked food, so you don't necessarily cook it into a dish. And one of the things that you will find with a lot of the Japanese seasonings, a lot of them are very high in monosodium glutamate. And so what we thought we would do is we would look at the um, standard structure of a furikake seasoning and make one that uh, doesn't have any monosodium glutamate in it. And it's really interesting because a little bit like the other very popular Japanese seasoning, which is called shishimi togarashi, this has um, toasted sesame seeds in it and it has black sesame seeds. So what you get from those two is a really nice sort of nutty flavour that goes well with sort of garnishing almost any dish. Then we have in there a little bit of salt and what makes it particularly unusual are the nori flakes. Now, nori flakes are basically a sea lettuce. That's the sort of common name, um, often called nagai, N-A-G-A-I. And they add that very classic Japanese profile that you get from the sort of the, those seaweedy notes that you, um, that you get in Japanese cuisine. There's a little bit of sugar in there. Um, there's also some minced red chilli, so it has a little bit of a tang, but it's not terribly high. It has some orange peel in it, and it also has Sichuan pepper, and believe it or not, Australian native lemon myrtle. <laughs> and the reason that we add the Australian native lemon myrtle is that the Sancho that is generally used in something like a furikake is actually very difficult to get hold of. Sancho is essentially the green, undried version of what we commonly know of as Sichuan pepper or prickly ash. So how do we get this profile of the green uh, prickly ash? Well, what I've done is I've used the traditional Sichuan pepper and added a little bit of the Australian native lemon myrtle which just brings in that enough of that nice sort of lemony tang. But of course, being lemon myrtle, it's not acidic the way lemon is. And it works really well. And it, it's actually one of my favourites. I you know, generally carry a, a little pack around with me because if I ever buy takeaway sushi, first thing I do is sprinkle a bit of um, furikake seasoning over it. But you can put it over uh, noodles, any sort of you know Japanese-type dish, 
you'll find that the, the furikake works really well. And it, it's just got a lovely, lovely flavour profile and so easy to use, being something that you sprinkle on at the end of cooking. Now, you could probably sprinkle that on fish and white or red meat, so that's chicken as well. And I believe it's a traditional one to sprinkle on rice. Absolutely, yes. You can just, if you're having, yes, just sprinkle it straight over steamed rice. And, of course, with things that you sprinkle over rice like this, the heat of the rice, because it's just being cooked, the steam that's coming up from the rice, helps to release uh, the lovely flavours that are there in, say, the nori flakes uh, and the orange peel and the Sichuan pepper. But, of course, you also get that lovely background nuttiness from the sesame seeds. So it's really a, it's a beautifully balanced blend and one that you sort of look at it at first and you think, oh, gee, I'm not quite sure where I'd, I'd use that. And as you say, it's great on fish. Um, it's uh, it's excellent on um, on chicken, probably red meats, maybe not so much. You could, but uh, maybe if it was just a very lean stir-fried beef, then you could sprinkle it on that. Now, I'm wondering with the recipe that you have created with the furikake mix and, uh, and leaving out MSG and that Sancho as well, how mm. did you? How long did it take to then go? How, how did you know how much of each it, one? <laughs> well, it it comes back to that uh, that old principle of spice blending that we've talked about, Marion. Mm. Where first of all, it's a matter of when you start to do it, you make sure that you're balancing the flavours. So, no one particular flavour is going to jump out and be the most dominant most spice blends you're looking for balance there are a few exceptions such as chinese five spice where star anise dominates and that's fine that's that's how we like it but in most cases you look at balance so what i tend to do is i have a set of scales that weigh down to a tenth of the gram and i'll get into my home kitchen with my spices and i would just put in what i originally think you know, this is what the blend should be. And then once I've put that together, I'll smell it, think, oh, maybe, you know, it needs a bit more of this, but less of something else. Then Liz and I will either cook it or use it in a few different ways. And so it generally doesn't take us very long. You know, Liz and I can generally get a spice blend pretty well nailed within a few days. <laughs> Gee, that's that's a skill I think you've developed over the years, I would say. And well, that's right. You know, when you've been playing around with spices for fifty years, Mary, and you yeah. start to know a little bit about them, and uh, and of course, you know, over the years, having worked in in sort of all sorts of areas of the business, I've handled hundreds of tons of spice if you add it all up, and of course, by that constant handling, smelling, being familiar. Um, is, I suppose, what sort of makes it almost a bit of a sixth sense uh, when you're putting these things together. Golly. All right, yeah. so we still have two to cover, and I'm thinking we probably need to do another segment to cover those two. <laughs> so we'll leave it at this one, and we'll right. cover amateur powder and black garlic in the next segment. Thank you so much, Ian, for chatting with me on Real World Gardener. Always a pleasure, Marion. <laughs> 